Well, good morning, everybody. Thanks, Cindy. Uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to John 2. Hashtag portable church. Um, if you go, ahead, go ahead and turn to uh, John 2. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 11. Um, good to see you guys. Hope everybody's been ha- had a good week last week. I'm excited to open up uh, the Word of God with you today. Um, by way of intro, my son, Caleb, who uh, just, just passed a, a big milestone. Uh, some of you know this. He started kindergarten just, just recently. He's actually turning six this month, which is like, ah, oh, I feel like I'm a walking cliche uh, with how time flies and all that sort of deal. Um, but we figured with this milestone happening, you know, we sh- we've always had him do kind of ad hoc ways to kind of help around the house, get things done. Uh, we figured, you know what, let's have this guy, you know, do a chore, have a task that he can do, complete with a $1 allowance, which at that age is really exciting. I didn't know, like, the amount I was supposed to give him. I don't know if that's too high or too low, but when I told my little five-year-old a dollar, he was like, yes, yes. I was like, okay, we're going to learn to save up. He really wants to get Pokemon cards. That's his thing. He wants to get Pokemon cards. He's excited, actually, to bring the first dollar of every ten and place it in the back there. He's like, say thank you to the Lord. And that. So there's a lot of that, that component happening. It's really fun. Uh, his task, to clear the table after dinner, uh, which, man, okay. So there's plenty of nights where it's like, okay, this would be a lot easier if I just went ahead and did it, right? And if I had waited a little bit longer for him to be older, it would be a lot more efficient. Uh, there's plenty of nights where, uh, you know, I have to remind him, hey, son, do you remember to uh, clear this dish? I'm looking at, you know, here, uh, you don't want to do that. Um, and there's plenty of nights where he sees mommy and baby sister in the other room uh, doing something really fun. And he's like, oh, um, oh, you know, that kind of deal. Uh, but you know what, for all of those nights, for all those sorts of scenarios, the one thing that you see just beaming through him is how excited he is to be a part of, like, the family doing their thing. To have, like, a part, to be, you know, have his responsibility that he gets to do. He's learning how to, like, bring the knife in in a safe way. And uh, maybe I shouldn't be doing that. I'm exposing too much here. But, like, you know, he's having a part, and he's really excited about doing this, this responsibility. I have been loving going through this, uh, our, our teaching series here, This is Family. Because today, as Cindy just mentioned, we're going to kind of highlight uh, ways that you can be involved. There's a lot of opportunities. There's a lot of needs because, it's, as Cindy just said, God is really moving. We're really growing as a church, and we're trying to do our best to scale with what he's doing. There's been a number of weeks in the, in the recent past where there's, you know, there's a number of new folks here, or there's different things we'd like to be doing, but we're trying to, re- to scale to try to meet that. And where we see it is there's an, op- there's an opportunity need for you today to help and to help serve in, into uh, our moving forward in that direction. Now, here's the thing. I, you know, I, uh, the way I like to think about it is this is not so much something that we want from you. Uh, speaking to my cynical self, if I was sitting there, I mean, there's a part of this of like, hey, let's be real, you know, church startup, and we, we got to get things done. But, you know, that aside, and really that's not the point, the main deal here is this is something we want for you. Because experientially speaking, though, and there's a lot of people here who can attest to this on teams, it's a fun way to serve, it's a fun way to get involved, meet other folks, there's all of that. But biblically speaking, in terms of what the Bible, what Jesus invites us into, is when we serve, we get to be a part of things far greater than we would ever realize we get to be a part of. Um, and so we want to invite you into that. I mean, there's a, there's a real component, and this is not just church startups, this is any church, that when you look at the scriptures, 
and any number of places that once everybody, you know, w- when everybody's kind of all hands on deck, uh, things really take off. People come into the faith. People, you know, people are blessed. We're taking care of the needs in the community and around us. Um, and so today we really want to highlight that as opportunities that you can, you can serve alongside us. Not in this like, ugh, I got to serve you, but actually, wow, we get to see the honor and privileges of we, what we get to serve. So today, as Cindy mentioned, you know, very practically speaking, I'd love to invite you, if, you're, if you've been coming for a period of time, if you're not on a team, to think about, to, to sign up to, to hear more about one of these teams, to, ser- to get on a team. Um, but let's look at a text here uh, where we see uh, Jesus inviting some people into something that was far greater than themselves, and they got to see and be, be a part of it. Uh, this is from John 2, verses uh, 1 through 11. Let me pray, and then, and then we'll, we'll get into it. Father, thank you. Uh, that we get to serve. Uh, we serve because you ser- first served us. Uh, would, you, would you help us understand your text today, this, this, this scripture? Would you meet us where we are? And, and would, you, would you help us above all other things see the beauty of Christ and his love for us? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So John 2, starting in verses 1 through verse 11. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Which uh, I don't recommend you talk to your mom that way. Um, you actually, on a more serious note, uh, the, the, the Greek experts tell us that the original language actually isn't as harsh as it sounds in our modern-day English, which, by the way, that's really interesting to say that, you know, our English modern-day translators take very seriously preserving the actual word, even though they know we'll hear it a certain way. But, okay, that's what he says. Why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jugs, jars, excuse me, the kind used by the, the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had, been in turn, that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. He called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine, after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Now, you know, one of the things I love about preaching, one of the things I love about studying the Bible is it truly is, as it says of itself in Hebrews 4, alive and active. The Bible says of itself, the word of God is alive and active, which means you can read a text one day and then four weeks again, read it, and there will be a basic, you know, point message that it's conveying, but the implications and the way we can think about it and understand it in our own lives could be profoundly different in a matter of four weeks. And actually, I choose that number specifically because I looked at this exact text four weeks ago at a wedding, and I can assure you that the message of that wedding wasn't, hey, we get to serve. You know, hey, nice wedding, and hey, guys, let's make it, you know, let's serve a church. Uh, It wasn't that at all. Of course, I focused more on the dynamic between Jesus and this married couple and how it was amazing of what Jesus did and and what that meant for them. But today, what I want to do is actually look at it from a different perspective that I never noticed before very recently, after having read this text, I don't know how many times, and that is the dynamic that is happening between Jesus and these unnamed servants. 
these servants who got to be a part of this deal. I want to look at that dynamic and, and, and take away and, and consider what we're looking at um, today. So what happened is Jesus had been invited to this wedding, which, incidentally, it's kind of cool. Jesus was a party goer. Okay, he was invited to the weddings. Um, he went to this wedding. All the 12 disciples were there, and what happened was the wine ran out, which that was kind of a big deal. Okay, that would probably be a big deal today, but that was a huge, huge deal back then. Uh, wedding feasts, we're told, went in, in, the, in that Jewish culture, went for at least three days, often, more often than not, about a week, length, week's length of time. And when the wine ran out, actually, I, I noticed, it, one scholar said, uh, I noticed uh, in my study this week, one scholar said it was actually grounds for suing the bridegroom if the wine ran out. Like they saw, they looked in the historical records, they saw that that was actually grounds for suing the bridegroom. Like, could you imagine, uh, hey, you know, this, this party's kind of a bummer without the wine. I'm serving you papers. It's like, but it was a big deal. Mary's feeling it, the, the mother of Jesus, is feeling on behalf of this couple and says, we got to do something about this, Jesus. Comes to Jesus, and after their little dialogue, they, she says to the servants, do whatever he says. And how it actually, it, it keeps going. Um, uh, do whatever he says. Nearby, verse 6, stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the ceremonial washing. Uh, and and they, they fill, he said, fill them with water, and they filled it to the brim. Okay, here's the first thing we see here when, when we're talking about this thought of we get to serve. And that's this. Jesus chooses to include us in his amazing work. I mean, think about this for a second. If Jesus had the ability to turn water into wine, which that's a pretty sweet little trick there. If he could do that, how come he couldn't just make water bubble up in those jars? How come he didn't just like have the water just kind of come up and turn into wine or wine just come up by itself? Instead, he includes these servants. Why would he do that? If you were here in one of our uh, current groups the last few weeks, we studied this text. Actually, it's a few chapters from this point in John 6 where Jesus fed the 5,000. And if you were there, or you, you might know the story, how that goes is there's this really hungry crowd hanging out with Jesus for too long. They haven't gotten food. They're in a remote place, and they're coming to Jesus. And Jesus, what does he do? He looks to Philip, one of the disciples, one of these 12 guys he's been grooming up for leadership when he's gone. He looks at Philip, and he says, what do you think we should do, Philip? Where should we buy food for these guys? And it even says in that very verse, for he knew what he was going to do, and he was testing Philip. Like, why would he do that? And then as he multiplied the loaves, he had the disciples take them, organize the crowd, this 5,000-person-plus crowd, into groups of 50 and 100. Like, why is, that in the de- why is that in the text, these details? And then they went out and they passed it out, and there's that detail at the very end of this text, and the disciples went out and they collected up all the leftovers. What is that all about? Jesus was wanting to include them in the process, in this work of what he was getting ready to do. First of all, he's wanting to test Philip's faith. Philip, I want you to see something here. You're not going to understand it here at the, uh, at the offset, but when you look back on this thing, you'll realize that I can do great things. You can be a part of it. You know, disciples, you know, you 12 that I'm grooming up, I want to work on your leadership skills. Organize people. Get them into groups of such and such number and and then, by the way, don't be wasteful. Take care of what God gives you and pick it up. And you see what I'm saying? Jesus chooses to include us in this wonderful, in his amazing work. But thought number two, we have to be willing to do what he puts before us. Uh, I, I love Mary's advice, uh, what Mary says here in verse five. She says to the servants, do whatever he tells you, which those are words to live by. If Jesus says this is what you're to do, uh, those are words to live by. But 
think about what they had to do, okay? What they were being asked to do by Jesus. We're told that there were six jars there, these, these massive 20 to 30 gallon jars there that he asked them to fill up and they would fill them up to the brim, okay? That was a lot of work, okay? It's not like they had hoses back then or spigots or even running water. Uh, the, the, the containers that they would use to go down to the well, which, by the way, where even is this well? You had to walk to get that. You had to draw the water. The containers themselves were about a gallon size each, which if we do quick math and we account for the, the, the range of 20 to 30 gallons for each jar, that's about 150 gallons. That's about 150 trips to this well, wherever it is, and back. That's a long time. That's a lot of work. What do you think they were saying as they were going back and doing this back and forth? How do you think they were feeling? What do you think they were thinking about? Hey, this is awesome. We get to carry these water jugs back and forth 150 times. This Jesus guy who nobody knows, what's his name, Jesus? Nobody knows, this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Nobody knows who he is. We're just, wee, right? No. I'll tell you what they were probably thinking, and this is probably because this is how I think in that situation. Why in the world are we doing this? I mean, right? Like, why do I have to keep care? Who is this guy? Like, why do we? Oh, man, we got to do this, but this stinks, right? And yet they do it. And if you look back, on, if they were to look back years later at being a part of this, you could say, without a doubt, that they were like, man, we got to be a part of that. But in the moment, they didn't see that. I, I don't think it's any coincidence that uh, as, a, as a son of of church starters, so my mom and dad started a church in Berkeley, that from the years 1994 to 2008, I was a part of the setup and teardown team of that church startup. I no longer see that as a coincidence. Um, and actually, to be real with you, here, here's part of the, the struggle for me when we're, we've been starting this church is asking folks to say, hey, we're going to set up and start this, set up and tear down this thing every week. You going to be able to do that? That's been especially hard for me to do in one sense because what some of you know, I've said this from the pulpit or from the, from the stage, is that uh, I, I suffer from an autoimmune condition where I have a rare form of arthritis, which means, physically speaking, I can't do the manual labor that I'm asking people to do. And I would y You hear what I'm saying? I don't see a coincidence that God had me on a team from 1994 to 2008 where I was essentially setting up and tearing down every Sunday, every Sunday. Because as a pastor's kid, you didn't miss. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I could probably count on both hands and toes in the number of, you know what I'm saying? But you know what? I loved it. Absolutely loved it. It was so fun. It was so fun. I mean, we, you know, we had these, like, weird cases. Like, now we have these, like, nice, like, rolling things. We had these weird cases that were super, like, off-weighted, and we're, like, walking from room to room, and it was just, and we set up the kids' room, and all our stuff was just kind of like, you know, you had to tape it back together, and it's like, okay. Um, but you, we, it was fun. We had to figure out how to, like, fit things, how they would go. It was great getting to know folks. I mean, we, I, you know, a lot of people was there in Berkeley, two blocks from the UC campus. And so I got to hear, like, you know, especially when I was a little guy, the stories of, like, college students, like, what classes were like. That was really fun. As we got to know each other through the months and the years, like, what was going on in their life, how they handled it, all these things I got to, got to be a part of. But actually, real quickly, uh, so, so a number of you, like, when you're out there setting up and tearing down, I have this weird thing that I'll do with you guys as you walk by. I'm like, I'll like put my hand on what you're carrying. You're like, is that heavy? Is that heavy? And like, I'm just, I'm a total jerk. 
But actually, when I'm doing that, that's a sentimental throwback to me when we were doing that. That was the joke we always played on each other. We were sick jokes, but it's like, is that heavy? It's like, oh, okay, okay. Um, It was a blast. It built community. But you know what? None of that compares to looking at that period of time and saying, wow, I got to be a part of what God was doing in that church. Like, I, you know, I could have done other fun things. I could have built community other ways. But to see what God was doing, the miracles that he was doing in that church, in Berkeley, people putting their faith in Jesus. Relationships being stored, marriages being healed, addiction struggles being overcome over and over on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, on a yearly basis. I wouldn't trade that time for the world. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Jesus invite, invites, invites, invites us, us into serving him and being with us. And do you notice how he does this miracle? It's really interesting how he does this miracle. Again, he doesn't just say, you know, hey, wine glasses, you know. He, he, he's, he, it says nearby were these stone jars. And nearby were these servants willing to help and be a part of this. He used what was in front of them. And that's how it works today. He wants to use people where they're at and what he's doing. And, and to be a part of it, there's, there's, there's nothing greater. Um, it goes on to say that you know after the, the water was turned into wine, verse 8, then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. I would have loved to have been that master of the banquet. I mean, could you imagine tasting what Jesus, the Son of God, thinks of as good wine? I mean, right? I'm the kind of guy, I don't know too much about this. I go to Costco. I find the cheapest bottle for, like, the most points. You know what I'm saying? If you know the ratings or whatever, I'm clueless. But I know that, Costco, I love Costco. But it's like 91, Ooh, okay, $10, sweet. That's, okay, great. Jesus' wine was probably 100. I don't know, okay, this is, um, forget that. It would have been a pretty sweet deal to have been a part, to be that master of the banquet. Can't you, right? He didn't get to see the miracle. As cool as that was, I would have done anything to be these servants. Because he didn't know how, what had happened but the, but the servants knew. And it's just like, that's amazing. In the very next verse, it says, what, what did they get to be a part of? What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. The servants got to be a part of that. Number one, they got to be a part of Jesus, the Son of God, revealing his glory. What does that mean? How did Jesus reveal his glory? Now, this is the question I asked at the wedding a couple weeks back. Did he walk on water? Did he make the lame walk? Did he reveal his glory by raising the dead to life? He could have done all those things. It would have been pretty cool. Come in with a bang. He chose to reveal his glory by turning water into the wine so that a wedding couple could have a little bit more fun on their wedding day so that they wouldn't be ashamed, so they wouldn't be humiliated, so that the festivities would continue. That's how Jesus, the Son of God, revealed his glory, and nobody knew it but the servants, and the servants got to be a part of it. How does Jesus reveal his glory today? In the same way. In the same way. He reveals his glory by serving and meeting the needs of people today. And how does he do that? Through his servants. 
Have you guys heard of the uh, marketing acronym WIIFM? Following me there, WIFFM. What's in it for me? Have you guys heard of this? It's like a marketing, like un, it's like a marketing, you know, tool that people understand. Mar- your marketers understand, salespeople understand that you really got to prove to your customer what's in it for me, as 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 my customer to you. What's in it for me? And if you don't prove that, if you don't prove why they should spend money, why it's worth their their investment, you'll never earn their business, right? What's in it for me? But what we see in G- that's that's. The question we all ask, is it not? That's human tendency. Okay, this scenario, what's in it for me? But Jesus flips that on its head. And on every single page of the Bible about Jesus, every story that we have recorded about Jesus, the Son of God, is he's always asking the question and always inviting his servants to ask the same question, and that is, what's in it for them? How do we love, how do we care for others? Even when it's a wedding day, and this is going to be my big shebang. He was constantly looking to serve the needs of others. What's in it for them? That's what he calls his servants to do. Now, the most amazing thing about Jesus is that all of these signs, all of these miracles are pointing ahead to the biggest thing that he came to do. The biggest need, the biggest service that he would do for all mankind. Uh, this is... Uh, listen to Mark 10, 45, when Jesus says this about himself. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus was constantly serving folks. He was constantly doing things like turning the wine, not for his own sake, not having his own little side party, but for the sake of helping others, blessing others. But they all pointed forward to the biggest thing that he would do, the biggest need that we all need and one that, frankly, we're not often looking for, and that is to give his life as a ransom, to lay down his life that we might have life, to die on the cross for the forgiveness of sins so that we have a restored relationship with God the Father, God, God the Son himself too, and have everlasting life. That's what he came to do. And what's amazing about the verse I just read to you is he's, for the Son of Man did not come to be served. If there was somebody who had every right to say, you know what, serve me, you know, fall in, uh, it's Jesus. But he came serving. And what he came to do was invite others to serve alongside him in what he was doing. This is the good news of Jesus. This is what he invites us into. These servants, unnamed servants, got to be a part of revealing God's glory in this way. And it's no wonder then that what it says at the end of verse 11, and his disciples believed in in him. These 12 guys who'd been hanging out with him believed in him. Now, it wouldn't be for another two, two and a half years where it would really click for them. They'd understand that he was Messiah. He came to die on the cross for everything I just said to you. It wouldn't be for another two, two and a half years that that would click for them. But in this moment, there was enough for them to say, you know what, I'm in. I'm following. And the servants got to be a part of that. Can you imagine the servants waking up that day? Hey, we got another duty. You know, we got another gig at the wine party over there. But then at the end of the day, to be like, whoa, we got to be a part of that, including the disciples, the 12 guys, actually 11, because one would betray Jesus, these key figures in history who would lead anybody who calls himself Christian in this room today to become Christian ultimately, the servants got to be part of that. And it's like, this, start, this starts to blow your mind, isn't it? The servants got to be a part of that. They got to serve. We get to serve because Jesus first served us. Um, 
it seems, uh, you know, I, I am so thankful. We, as a, as a church body, are so grateful that there's, there's been a number of people in this room who said yes to serving God in this way and through this church and this expression uh, in the last season so that we can enjoy, we can receive what God's given us today. And I would just, I would just encourage you that, I, I would ask that what if God wanted to, for you to say yes in this season that we might bless and take care of others in the next? Because we're still living for the same things, revealing God's glory and helping people put their faith in him and blessing people like on that couple's wedding day. That's what we're doing for. You know, we were, um, we were at staff meeting, and I was try- we, were trying- we were brainstorming. How do we, how do we share stories uh, of people who are just being faithful and just, you know, and, and we quickly realized that we could just share stories forever. I mean, there's just so many stories of people faithfully serving here at Current. And so uh, it was really funny. At one point, uh, we, we said, oh, we've got, we got a way we could share this. Um, there's, but to understand where I'm going with this, you need to understand there's been this joke in Current uh, that a number of you probably actually are aware of in, in the sense of how this plays out. But in, in the very beginning, we prayed, God, would you multiply us? I mean, that's a prayer you might pray. And uh, God took that very literally because I've never been at, to a church where we have so many duplicate names. I mean, it's ridiculous. Awesome, ridiculously awesome. It's just, we have so many duplicate names. I mean, even from the very beginning when we were meeting in, a, in our living room, there were 12 of us, which 12 apostles. I was like, whoa. But... And, and, there were, and there were there were two Cindy's, two Grace's, and two Chris's. I mean, it's like, and we, we were always like, hey, is this like the 12 back then? Because if you look at the scriptures, there's two Jameses, there's two Judases, and all that sort of thing. We're like, okay. So what I want to do with you today is share the tale of three Eric's. Because there are at least three Eric's here who are just serving so faithfully. For start, starting with uh, Eric Sangrucci. If you know Eric Sangrucci, he's been with us from the very beginning. What a stud. What an awesome servant's heart guy. He's always here early. He's always here late. And in between, he's doing anything and everything that either needs to be done or people are asking from him. He's super gracious. He's super fun. He's just an awesome guy. Uh, you know, Eric, there's been a number of times where I'm just being stubborn and I'm like pushing something when I shouldn't, shouldn't be because of my condition. He's like, David, stop. And he's like, he doesn't push me because that would kind of, you know, go against what he's trying to do. But he's like, okay, let me do it. And he just takes it. If balloons need to be blown up, he's blown up and he's wearing a Pikachu costume. I was actually laughing with him today. My son is into Pikachu cards. I told you that in the, in the opening thing. And I'm like, I wonder if Eric's had a part of that. My kids love him. Uncle Eric. Um, if there's... You know, he's on the production team. He's, he's acting as a roadie, and he's constantly just getting everything done with such a great spirit. A case top needs to be assembled. If a, if a coffee needs to be made, he's just, he's finding the spot. Um, you know, he's, Eric, that's Eric. And then there's Eric Pan. Uh, Eric Pan joined us recently, uh, a few months ago back in spring, and he just jumped in so fast and as faithfully as somebody can get into. The thing I love about Eric is um, he just has this big beaming smile that you can't help but feel encouraged by. Um, even the operations teams, they, they look at him and they're like, uh, they're, they, they share stories of like, man, Eric is such an encouragement. He just does things with such a, how do you need me? Where, where can you put me attitude? He's so dependable. Um, then there's Eric Kabaloo, tale of three Eric's. Eric Kabaloo, Eric and his family uh, recently joined, uh, you know, after last year's Art and Wine Festival, responded with joy to serve in the ops team then. He's now leading the operations team now. And if you were to ask him, oh, oh no, no, it's a quick story about Eric. So he was playing, uh, he was playing basketball one week, 
and he hurt his finger. Like he broke his finger and still came the Sunday afterward. No one knew this. And he's pushing things around. And I like finally found out about that. And I went up to Eric and I was like, dude, what's going on? Like why would you do He's like, dude, it's just a finger. <laughs> I like, guess Monty Python. It's like just merely a flesh wound. I mean, Eric is so awesome. And, and you know, he, the way he's, he's said this uh, to us before is Ops helped him get to know people, uh, serving side by side with folks. And, he, and it's his hope now as a team lead that, that that would be a new place for, that would be a place for new folks to have the same experience and be brought in and have the, the joys of ministering. Serving. Obviously, I could share story upon story here. Um, one of my favorite times on a Sunday morning, I'm there usually around 7 o'clock praying, for today, praying, uh, you know, going over the message, and one of my favorite times is when the trailer, the trailer is like goes bouncing along. I hear the screech, and I hear like it's like doom, 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 because of, you know the hitch and all that sort of thing. The gear, the diesel engine just going, and because of my office, I kind of like sit like there's an office space and there's like a block, and they're driving around this way. I don't think they can necessarily see me, and I can't see them coming, but I hear them coming, and then when they when they go past, I'm always quick to jump up and look see who it is to thank God for them. And to be like, we get to do this together, pray for them. And, it, and then usually that person then jumps on the sound or whatever. I mean, it's just so, it's such a privilege to join arms and serve along. I could share so many stories. Um, we're so grateful to be a part of this. God is moving. God is scaling. And we get to be a part of There's so many opportunities to be a part of things. You know, Eric, first Eric, Eric Sangrucci, I think he's actually back with the kids right now uh, after serving in different ways. Um, our kids' ministry, by God's grace, I mean, it was just recently we had 18 kids in our beach class alone. 18 kids. That's a lot of kids. <laughs> you want to teach? That's a lot of kids. Um, and so we're like, and we have, an, uh, we have our new uh, kids director, Christina, who's doing an awesome job back there. And so she's excited. She's putting together a new class. We're getting ready to have four, four classes back there, which is awesome. There's only a little bit of a problem there. We need folks to step in and say yes, and to serve. There's so many ways to help out. Babies that need to be held, coffee that needs to be made, all those sorts of things. And we just feel like it's our great privilege to be a part of what we see God doing so quickly and so fast in such an amazing way. And we just want to invite you, if you're not on a team today, to, to fill something out and see, see where it leads you. Grab uh, you know, a treat back there. There'll be, there'll be teams out there sharing more. You can just get in the conversation. Don't worry. It's not like signing your way. We, we don't, we're, we're trying to be cognizant of time constraints and all those sorts of things, but the extent of, of joining locking arms, um, uh, it'd, be, it'd be awesome to do this with you. Uh, in closing, I have, a, I have a pastor friend of mine who recently attended a, uh, a conference where Sheryl Sandberg was speaking. speaking. You guys know Sheryl Sandberg? The COO of, um, of Facebook. She's formerly the vice president of, I forget which division, at uh, Google. And she was sharing the story of how when she was being recruited at Google, uh, Eric Schmidt, the then CEO, came up to her and said, hey, I want you to be on this department, vice president over this. And she, she was just like super like hesitant about the deal because she's like, the team essentially didn't exist. There was no team. The department was like not even there. And she's just like, I don't know. And Eric uh, Schmidt shot back saying this. Uh, when, you get, when you get asked to jump on a rocket ship, you don't ask what seat. And, uh, you know, just being struck by that thought. I mean, that's a bold statement for Google to say. Wouldn't you say? And Google's awesome. I mean, I'm using Google all the time. They're, I mean, it's, it's an amazing company. Half of you guys probably work at Google, that sort of thing. <laughs> Google's awesome. 
But if he could be so bold as to say that about Google's mission to helping the world organize its data, how, can, how much more can we be about giving the opportunity to be a part of the miracles God's doing week after week? I, this, this is the time of my life because I just, I look around this room and I just, it's so filling to be a part of this together. I just, I want to suck every moment up. But as good as, as fun as it is, and as cool as it is building community and those sorts of things, all of which I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm to the moon about anyway, ultimately we get to be a part of God working in people's lives, starting with our own and those around us. And a big part of that here at this church happens on a Sunday morning. There's other opportunities, but today we're just highlighting Sunday morning, and we just want to invite you into that. Uh, the water's warm. Jump in. Let's pray. Father, again, we only love because you first loved us. We only serve because you first served us, but we are so thankful for this calling, this high calling to say, you know what, it's not about you, it's not about us, it's about those around us, those next to us, taking care of each other, taking care of, of one another's, one another's family, taking care of those who are not yet a part of us. Uh, we're just so thankful that you give us this wonderfully rich calling. It's, it's beyond us, and yet at the same time, this is what you call us into, something like taking water from the well back so that people, so that a family's wedding, uh, wedding will just be a little bit more exciting. We long to be this help, this loving presence in the city of Mountain View. Help us to do that here starting on Sunday mornings. Help us to do that as we continue to scale and grow by your grace, only by your moving. Um, uh, here and in the community. We love you, Father. Thank you so much for each woman and man, sister and brother that we have in this room. Would you continue to add to our number, and as you add to another, our influence, that one, you would be glorified, and two, that people would come to put their faith in you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.